welcome back to another episode of the Breaking Western Podcast. We are in season four. Oh, oh and we went whoa. high today. I Nobody thought you were going to be on the low one. What, uh, are you, what are you saying? I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> season four, going for broke, where we talk about what it means to be a mindful consumer and interviewing some of the the best of the North, South, East, and West industry and um, see what you did there guys yeah 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 so abby who do we have on today i'm stoked about our guest today i feel like Same. i say that every week but but i mean it i mean it every <laughs> time um today we have Stadel from canine shop um she came highly recommended to us by a number of people because they love her looks and so do we um you probably have seen her buckaroo cows or mm. maybe you've seen a buckaroo cowl that wasn't hers but this is where they came from y'all so we're super stoked to talk to her today she has a number of really other beautiful pieces yeah um and we're just we're stoked to have a minute to get to know her and hear her story so Sidel, welcome what's up girl hey. hi yeah thanks for having me i'm excited to be here we're honestly i think you've been our most recommended guest from other guests Mm-hmm. by what here yeah. yeah no for real for yeah. real um yeah people just they love you what else can we say <laughs> they love what you're doing yeah so oh, let's well, go back <laughs> so let's go back to the beginning of your story like kind of what inspired you to get started with any of this and also where did your shop name come from Kanini. that's so unique right so I'm going to try to make this short and sweet. It kind of is a long story. But, uh, I, whew, I left college, went back home. I ended up in, a, in an internship, a job that I really loved, a really professional job. Um, but then I had my two kids <clears throat> while I was there at the job for about five years. And I hadn't actually finished my degree. So I was like, I was like, you know, a handful of classes from it, but I got this amazing job. So that kept me from, from getting back to work. But once I had my kids and I was like, I really got to go. Like I really had, had already made this deal with myself that I would finish that degree. And this, you know, this job, even though I love it is not what I want to do. So, um, after my second baby, I was like on maternity leave. Um, I was going crazy because I'm used to being like a really busybody person. Um, I grew up in a household that ran a small business also. My parents had a construction company, so it was like work all the time. Mm-hmm. And so I was going kind of nuts, and my um, my mother-in-law at the time was like, so I'm going to bring my sewing machine over. And I'm like, I've never even seen a sewing machine, so I don't know what <laughs> What's that? <laughs> yeah. She's like, oh, I'll just bring it over and I can show you how to use it. And she's super sweet. And I was like, okay, all right, let's let's try this. Um, so I started just kind of making some stuff. And then I was like, you know, if I'm going to be going back to school, I can't work full time. I can't, you know, I should try to see if I can make something that um, that other people like. You know, like I feel like I have a pretty good sense of style and I've, um, you know, have an idea of what items I would use I would wear <clears throat> so that's generally how I got into the this idea of even trying to make anything um and so when we moved you know we had two small children I was in school full-time and so things were really slow officially I started my business in 2015 just because I um my undergrad is in 
health management and policies. So I would take, was taking like a business suite of classes and they're like, oh, you got to have, you know, these things in a row. So that kind of helped me get that set up, you know, officially with the state of Oregon. Although I didn't sell like one thing for <laughs> that whole year. <laughs> uh, I'm sure lots of people can relate to this because I started with an Etsy shop thinking this is going to be great. And I, and I, the first thing that I made was like these little uh, fanny packs because I'm that person that like, if it's not attached to me, I will leave it everywhere I go. I, yes, so yes. I still am that person. So <laughs> that's why I don't carry any of my bags. Um, so yeah. So after that first year, so like 2016, I had finished my undergrad degrees. Um, I have two actually anthropology and public health. And then I was like, I think I'm going to get a master's. So now I have to like continue this down this road and I started doing like a couple of pop-up sales and, um, you know, like maybe even some powwows, you know, where it's like fairly low fee to get in and, um, and just see what people like. Cause that was my problem. I wasn't, I was only making what I wanted to make and I wasn't like in front of a bunch of people. So like miraculously, I got into like every show, every juried show that I, that I applied for. So I just did this yes, like. Ma'am. Craft market show, urban craft, um, what's the one in Portland's, like America's largest Christmas bazaar. I did um, urban craft uprising, crafty wonderland. Um, and then I got into like the raw and I actually, they asked me to do a, an actual, um, like model runway show. <laughs> so okay. I, I just tried everything in those first couple of years and Honestly, the cowls I made for my kids first because they wouldn't wear a coat. They wouldn't keep their hood on. They wouldn't, you know, so I, I made them really tiny out of my scraps. And oh, we'd go to, my gosh. Yeah, we'd go to these shows, and people would be like, oh, my gosh, that's so cute. So I started making a little bit bigger ones and a little bit bigger ones and kind of, like, testing those sizes. And every time I went, I'd only make, like, two or three. And every time I'd go, they were the first things to go. And so – that obviously showed me like where I needed to focus more of that attention. So that then then around 2017, it just blew up because I I stopped selling on Etsy. Um, I really started trying to curate more on my Instagram page, and then I got my website. And after that, it all kind of just went. It just bloomed. Um, as far as the name, um, it was really not hard for me to think of the name. <laughs> um, back on the reservation where I grew up, the hill that I grew up on is called Kanini Ridge. And it's in the boonies. We're the only house out there. Um, lived there my whole life. My dad still lives there. And the, the ridge is named after a Walla Walla chief named Jim Kanini. And that's so place names are really important, you know, in Native cultures. And because I came from that place and I grew up in that place my whole life and and even, like, around town, like, people knew that I lived on Kanaini like that. It was kind of already associated with me. And mm-hmm. so I just kind of brought that name that name with me. And I really do like like explaining that because um, because place names are so important and, um, and being able to share that story and share the place that is so special to me. That's beautiful. That is really beautiful, especially when you're, when you're making something, right, that comes from deep inside of you. So it comes from, like, your physical place that you're from, but it comes from you as well. So that's 
it's really cool to be able to be like fully represent yourself in that way. Mm. Absolutely. Yes. Um, and you know, it's the place that I miss right now because I'm, I'm here at, at school. So I live in Corvallis and it's about five hours away, but it's, it's definitely my peaceful place, you know, my calm, my calm place. And when I really, really first started this and where I put the name down on paper, I was sitting at my dad's kitchen table and I had just made, um, I had just made a jacket, a first kid's coat. And I had borrowed my, my sister-in-law's pattern because she'd made some before. It's like not a new thing in our community to make things out of these blankets. Um, and I was like, you know what, I'm going to give it a shot. So I had made it on my dad's kitchen table and he came home and was like, oh, what are you, what are you making? And I was like, oh, I made a jacket. And he was like, oh, that's cool. He was like, I think I still have yours in the, in the closet. And I was like, excuse me? Like, what are you? What? <laughs> yeah. He was like, totally my dad though. He's just like, oh yeah, I, go look in this closet. And I go look <clears throat> and pull out a little tiny jacket made out of Pendleton, which I still have right now in my closet. And he's like, your mom made that for you, like, when you were one or whatever. And he's like, and you wore it, you know, when you were probably two. Oh, uh, my heart. I know, right? I have, like, I remember seeing, um, I had found a box of pictures, and I remember seeing myself in this damn jacket. And I was like, wow, <laughs> thanks for telling me 35 years down the road. <laughs> Everything in its perfect time. <laughs> yeah. Well, and that really was like full circle and like that's my little I don't know sign that that's what I'm supposed to do because I really sat down that day and been like what would my name be I thought about naming after my kids and I was like no it really should be something that is me you know and he after that whole story my mom passed away when I was three so she had made it before I passed before she passed away and I got to wear it for her you know before before she left us and so I was like that is my that is my full circle sign mm. that like the right thing and the right place for for me to do uh this whole business thing and and really switch gears and return back to school and that led to where I am now and I finished my master's in public health and now I'm just a dissertation away from my PhD in health promotion and health behavior and the business has, like, really carried my whole family this whole way. So I wouldn't really be here if I didn't if I didn't choose to kind of stick, stick my neck out there and, and try something new. So it's been great. Wow. Whoa. Oh, <laughs> I don't even know where to start after that. <laughs> Thank God you asked what a sewing machine was. I know. Can you imagine? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, my I, gosh. It, I was a really late bloomer because literally every woman in my family, like, sews were very, you know, traditional. Like, we have dresses that I've worn that my grandma made, you know, buckskin dresses and stuff. So I was a very late bloomer. But it has also kind of given me this little push that I needed that, like, yes, this feel comfortable in your skills and your talents. And and I've actually started making now. I've just cut out and I'm starting on making my girls um, their traditional regalia dresses to wear next year. Oh, beautiful! Wow, that's funny. I feel like sometimes, um, <laughs> even though um, we know it's something that we should be doing or we would like be good at, we don't want to do it because uh, our families are doing it or like our parents did it. Or <laughs> like I'm not. Yeah. 
I don't want to do that. Like, they're too. already good at it. They're already doing it. I want to be different. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but it sounds yeah. like all of this was is such a personal journey for you. Like making making this product, this end result is just is just that. It's just the end result of this long personal story. Um, yeah. And a lot of it sounds like it just it came to you. I don't want to say like naturally, but it came to you because you know, this was like your, your journey or your path. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm wondering if you could, if, if you could tell us and why it's like so important to support uh, indigenous makers or business owners, especially in the Western industry, when we're looking at pieces like this, especially these like Pendleton pieces or pieces made from blankets that do have such a personal story and long history. Yeah. Um, that's a great question. And <clears throat> First, I mean, I guess I should start by saying, like, Pendleton kind of gets a bad rap sometimes from especially Native, um, you know, Native communities that feel that they've sort of stripped something away from from these tribal nations and not maybe not given it back. And I'm not saying that that has not happened. Um, some of the first blankets that were made were called Cayuse blankets, and Cayuse is actually one of the tribes that I'm from. So I'm I'm Cayuse, Walla Walla, and Yakima, and because our tribes are really close to uh, the mill right there in Pendleton, right? They're like butted up to each other, the reservation and the mill. Um, we've always had a good relationship with them. We, um, you know, my family has participated in the roundup every year. Um, I mean, since its inception, really with setting our tents up and everything. So that's the question that I get a lot. Like, why do you still use Pendleton blankets and not use other ones? And that's actually not true because I do use other blankets. I've, I've used um, the eighth generation blankets, which are really soft and fluffy, and they do a really good job of working with Native artists to design those. So I make sure that I, when those new um, those new blankets come out, that I do incorporate them into my business. Um, I use Teton Trade Cloth, which is really good for solids. Um, Mm -hmm. They have a really long-standing uh history with all native cultures also that use them for dresses like their their striped pattern on the bottom of dresses you'll see um in in several different regions are very prominent um for what they use with their regalia so i try to incorporate them there's been some new ones that came out like uh thunder voice eagle uh partnered with that sackcloth and ashes and naomi glasses and i've used those ones so I try to sprinkle it around, but I stay true to my roots, which is the Pendleton blankets. And and I think that just leads right into, you know, your main question is, like, why support me? I mean, I'm, I'm out there buying Pendleton blankets. I don't want to support Pendleton. But really, you know, it's a community thing. Like, I can walk into that Pendleton store. I can call, and they know my name. They know me. They they have my family's pictures hanging in the um, in the gallery. Like, if you take the tour – you can go see like, and they have photos and and stories of the the, the relationships that they've had with these tribes and these families that are very tight knit, right there at the mill. And so, I like that. I like you know just being able to go into my hometown mill and talk to all the gals that are super helpful there. Um, if I have questions. They, if I if I call you, know, I'm in Corvallis. I'm like, hey, is there anything there that I would be interested in? They're more than happy to help. So, um, I mean, that's kind of an aside, but that also leads me to like this whole idea of community. And so, why supporting Indigenous makers is so important is because you're 
me as a prime example, I wouldn't have been able to finish, you know, my master's degree. I I had another baby during my master's degree. So now we have three girls. Whoa. (laughs) Intense. I had, I gave birth (laughs) a week term in spring um, and she is just a little. So we, so then, you know, paying for childcare for my three kids while I'm then pursuing my PhD and, and all of that would have not ever been able to happen if I didn't have this business that was, um, you know, doing so well for our family. And, and it's really just um, partially like being able to share indigenous stories, like native stories, right? Like the story of me, how I got to where I am today is important because it's not in the mainstream, right? It's not out there. We're just now starting to see little peaks of, of like indigenous uh, representation in, you know, films and TV and, and all of that in, in modeling, the modeling world. And um, so the more exposure that people like me can provide to why it's important for me to, you know, pass along, you know, when you buy something that helps me feed my family, that helps me um, pursue my education so that I can, you know, up the standards, make things easier for my kids, because I didn't have it easy as a kid. Um, you know, my parents, my grandparents did not have it easy. And so to to be able to, like, make these big moves is directly tied to um, the support that I get from, from my followers, the support that I get from people who shop with me and are very loyal, I've found. So thank you very much. Um <laughs> And then I'm able to pass that along. So there's been a few times we had, like, major flooding last year. And so I did, like, some little donations. I'm like, okay, I'm going to auction off these things to donate to my community because uh, we had major flooding and people just, like, completely ousted out of their homes. Um, But also, you know, just being able to go home and offer offer gifts, right? So, like, we're big Mm -hmm. into gifts lots of things and I always had some of the organizations from back home say hey we have like these group of employees that were able or that were um we're honoring for like they've had 10 or 20 or 25 years of service and we really would like to give them one of your items and so I'm able to you know because I'm stable here I'm able to just gift uh cowls to to these sort of important events that I that I think are that I should support, I think that are great, I think that are healing and, and helping our communities. Um and so that's that's part of it. Um just what else did I have? People I always tell people they're like and this goes for all of my hats that I wear, you know, so I work in a research lab here on campus. Um I have the business. I've worked in several jobs, like real jobs. <laughs> Thank God not right now. But um <laughs> I I tell people all the time, I'm like, okay, well, if you're going to convince people to buy something from you or, you know, give you money and a grant to do some research or whatever, like, they have to like you first. They have to know what you're about. Mm -hmm. Like, they know that it's authentically coming from from you. And and that is sort of how I'm trying to tie this all together is, like, I try to get out there. I try to do lives. I try to share little bits of my my process. 
I share pretty openly when I'm like, you know what, I just couldn't pull it together today. I'm going to have to try again tomorrow or, you know, kids are sick and life is life. And I think, you know, people just really appreciate that. And um, I don't do as many lives as I want to because my house is crazy, but I (laughs) I do more of that so that I can share more of like, hey, this is my real authentic self. This is why I do this. I care about, um, you know, I care about each item that I make. My hands touch every single item that comes out of here from start to finish. And, and if, you know, I have, if people have issues, if there's a problem with anything, I'm the person that answers those. I fix it every single time. I try to have the best customer service because I really, people want that full experience. They want to feel good about what they're supporting, what they've bought, not just, um, you know, something that goes right in the trash, like <laughs> uh, two weeks down the road, and then you're then you're upset and you're not not fulfilled with that purchase that you made. I don't. That's that's what I don't want to happen. So um, all of those things. So providing support for me to actually extend that to my community is important. Um, being able to know and understand and relate to native stories like mine because yes they're different but they're not that different um you know i think that people can relate to where i've come from even though you know maybe they've never been to a reservation yes i grew up on a reservation but guess what it's not that much different (laughs) so um Mm -hmm. yeah just having that backstory i'm really big on like the story right and our tradition is is storytelling and I want people to know my story when they have that piece. And I feel like I've done an okay job with that um, so far, but there's always just more work to do. Yeah. That's wow. (laughs) I think the, for me, the fulfillment piece just stuck out a lot of having like this whole well-rounded experience, even with just being a consumer and making more intentional purchases and like, you don't have to have a thousand of something in every colorway to just have them, like knowing where each piece comes from, knowing the person that created it. Like that's really special. Yes, absolutely. And when I talk to like my aunt, for example, she's just got this pile of blankets. So in our, in our culture, it's, um, it's common to gift blankets also, um, for, for different, different events. Um, and I feel like that, you know, because I've had people that say, can you just take this blanket? Like, I love this blanket, but I have got five, and I don't know what else to do with them. They're just sitting in a closet. So can you just take the blanket? And, and sh- they're so happy to, like, share and know that it turned into these things that people love so much. And so that I really love that whole re-envisioning piece where I'm like, okay, and it's sustainable, right? I'm using just the same thing. I've even, I've even, when I did the craft shows, I wouldn't barely have any waste. I was obsessed with like using every single piece (laughs) of the blend. So I made everything from, you know, the jackets, the bags, and then all the way down to the fanny packs at, at one point. And then I made like little sunglass pieces that were just like two little tiny strips. And then I, my kids helped me make these um, like little pennant banners where I just cut triangles out of the rest of them and glued them um, for a garland, for a Christmas tree garland. 
And oh, so good. we literally, like, used every single piece. I'm not so great at that now, but um, my kids still use my scraps for um, dressing up there. My daughter just by herself went and sat at my machine and started um, making clothes for the Barbie dolls. Oh, so, my gosh. She's super, she's super talented, yeah. So I, I always tease her, like, maybe you, one day you'll come work with mom. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you think so? <laughs> You're like, you're um, so familiar. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, for sure. And and so I that that makes me feel good, right, like being able to repurpose these things. Um, and with a, with a, I don't know, wool is, is antimicrobial, um, has antibacterial properties. I feel good about using the wool. We have a strong relationship even, you know, in the area of, of Pendleton. Um, you know, they, they tell the story pretty well through Pendleton also, but Cunningham Sheep has, um, a good relationship sort of with the area also. And so it's like a real, I don't know, like a little, uh, micro economy, right? Where like the sheep herders are there, the, and so, and it just feels good to be able to, to use those pieces and to like reclaim them a little bit. I say reimagine and reclaim because yes, I will acknowledge that it seems like maybe they took our name with maybe not our permission, right? To call right. their, one of their blankets, I use blanket but then not really, you know, share much, but they've gotten mm -hmm. a lot better. And, but I, I absolutely view it as sort of reclaiming some of that and, and maybe being able to even add, um, add that story piece or, a, um, a version of, of the story piece that should go with, with those designs. Yes. Mm -hmm. I'm so glad you said that because I've been sitting here kind of since you first started telling your story, thinking about, um, the, like reclaiming, repurposing, re-envisioning, and how that is kind of all-encompassing. Like it comes down to even the materials you're using and the message they're sending that like you get to, you're now claiming, reclaiming that um, and, and mm -hmm. you know, making your own story about it, like kind of the story that we all should have known from, mm -hmm. from the start. Yeah. And I'm still, I'm still getting better at that piece. Um, like I said, the business kind of all snowballed, <laughs> but yeah. I can tell people still kind of working backwards a little bit because if I had been able to spend like a hundred percent of my focus on this business, it would look different. Um, you know, I would have more of those pieces together, but because I'm kind of, I don't know, just holding on, holding on to my hat as we go along here, <laughs> um, I'm still kind of. Uh, having to backtrack and like update things as I'm able, you know, updating things, more things that are relatable to that story on my website so that it's accessible. Like I have an about the maker, but I, I'm in the process of revamping the whole website just to include more of this stuff that has become so important for me to share that I want to make available to people um, who are who are visiting or want to know more. Yeah, this already feels like a huge step, though. I mean, we, there's so much misrepresentation, especially in the Western industry, and especially around Indigenous communities, and really the the roots of everything that we kind of consider to be inherently Western. Mm -hmm. um, but I think it's so important that there's that we're even having these 
conversations or that, you know, there's even a space where, um, you know, you can tell that story. And I think it's ironic, too, that now this is getting, like, re- trying to be stolen by like white right. designers that are like right. I made a cowl today <laughs> out of Aztec print. Oh. Like, no. <laughs> oh, yeah. Like don't start it on the Aztec or <laughs> Oh, <laughs> there's one of our favorites. Yeah. That's six recognized tribes and that's only the federally recognized ones, so um that's a whole that's a whole other podcast. <laughs> yeah. Yes. For sure. I mean, like, I'm sitting here at my desk right now, and I have, like, on display all of these lovely earrings that I've bought from, like, Native artists that bead, right? That mm-hmm. I can name every single artist that made every single one of them. Um, mm-hmm. The same with, like, some of the turquoise that I have, and, and that's one of my big pet peeves, and, and a good friend of mine is the the fake turquoise, you know? You're like, wait, how is this even – how right. is this even – it's just like mind blowing, right? Because we have friends. I have family who's, you know, dad was from down in um, Second Mesa, Arizona, and you're just like, oh, the hours and the time and the generations of people that put their, you know, hearts into that jewelry, and then you, you're like, why is this five dollars? Why is this, you know, like, <laughs> like mind blowing? And it's 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 frustrating that people don't understand that, you know, and and it's the same like the people that beat earrings like oh why is this so expensive do you have you ever tried to beat anything (laughs) i have (laughs) um but you know that there's a whole other like conscious level that it takes to put yourself into a piece that's that big you know and i'm learning that now where i've planned out my daughter's whole dress and it's just sort of an emotional experience like thinking about oh gosh like my grandma did this, you know, and made that dress that I wore when I was little and, you know, thousands of generations before her, you know, sat down in the wintertime when it was cold and, and like painstakingly built these magnificent dresses. Like how am I possibly (laughs) qualified to just start from scratch and feel like I can, I can go through that, you know? So it's a very like personal, very, um, touching experience right you're like oof. you're like connecting with this place that you didn't know you had and and then to like then turn around and and understand that feeling and see like that these fake earrings from china or wherever they came from you know you're like oh that is so that is so sad (laughs) but Mm -hmm. yeah Mm -hmm. even for sale and that people buy them and wear them that's just sort of one of our little like a clear example of, um, that I can think of, but yes. Yeah. Well, that's hard because I think a lot of times people look at it and say like, Oh, I, you know, I really, um, I really love what they're doing. I just can't afford their work. Um, but then still go out and buy that cheaper version or that knockoff version. And yeah. it, at that point it just feels disrespectful. That and it, yeah. Honestly, I know this from, like, my own experience. The cheap crap, I buy more of it, which is going to, in the end, cost more because I've now bought 50 pairs of earrings that I'll wear every now and then because I'm not connected to them. Yeah, you don't. That I bought from, like, makers that I know, I deeply love those and, like, will build an outfit around it. They're an investment. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. 
yeah. and it'll last longer. Yeah. Yes, because you value that authenticity that goes with it, right? Like it's more valuable that way, and and it makes you feel better. That's that whole like you know that fuller experience of buying something that you know what went into that. Um, and I completely, a hundred percent agree. Every one of these. Like that's sitting here, my earrings in front of me. I know that I've built a whole outfit around each one of them. <laughs> so again, I'm ready to go down that road for my Vegas trip this year. So I'm I'm, I'm getting some lightning ideas. <laughs> yes, ma'am. And it sounds like maybe we get to meet you in person. You're going to Vegas. I do. I go to Vegas. <gasps> um, my third year. I set up at South Point with Woolies. From Steamboat Springs, they're awesome. They have, oh my um, gosh. yeah. And so this is our third year together. I love them. Um, and I usually go. I haven't decided exactly what days, but I will be there for sure. Oh, we love to oh hear it. She we and I have to said like a weird little dance on our seats. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. Well, other than Vegas, where can people find you? Let's do the easy way. How do people find you online with Kanini? Yeah. So my website is just kanini.com, and it's K-A-N-A-I-N-E. I um, I post on my Instagram most of my in-progress stuff. I'm working on a big batch of customs right now, but I just posted this morning that my next sale is going to be on Friday and Saturday of this week, so the 29th. Oh, we love and My alarm will be set. Yes. So Cal's towels both days and um otherwise yeah just watch my instagram i usually link i usually put a countdown timer so that you can tell exactly when it's happening um and i link to my front page so that you can just quickly get there from my stories amazing amazing well sadell thank you so 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 much for sitting down and speaking with us today this was powerful and and so moving um and i know angela and i both learned a lot from this and have a lot of things to mull over so everyone um if you don't already follow sadell head on over to kanini on instagram check out her website if you're in vegas pop in check out her work um i know we will be be doing the same (laughs) (laughs) yeah well thank you so much for having me and i can't wait to meet you and i get to meet lots of great people in vegas so i'm really looking forward to it this year oh same 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 all right everybody thank you so much for tuning in for another episode of the breaking western podcast season four going broke we'll see you all next week